0: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome one more time to Encounter Church. My name is Dirk, preaching pastor here at Encounter. It's a perfect Sunday. It's a perfect weekend to start making church a regular rhythm uh, because we're kicking off a brand new series here at Encounter called I Quit. Now, we, we have been shouting that through the hallways and uh, the staff offices throughout the week. This is not like a four-part installment about how we're all just leaving. That's not what this is about. This is about a conversation that I had with a, uh, with a friend a while ago. We got lunch together and afterwards um, he was telling me uh, about this friend of his that he was saying uh, is considering, is like weighing the cost of following Jesus. And I, I love like the thought that went into this ahead of time because he was like, I don't know, like I got a lot of stuff in my life and I'm not sure Jesus would be fine with everything. And so he was like going kind of inventory style through his life and asking, whether or not becoming a Christian would, like, interfere with these things. And some of it was like, no, and I mean, probably not. Others was like, I mean, not right away, but, like, probably you should address that. (laughs) And and then other things are like, yeah, no, that needs to be left behind immediately. And and I was kind of, like, putting this together, thinking, um, I've been a Christian for a while now, and there are probably some things in my life that I need to quit to leave behind in order to more fully and in order to better follow Jesus. And so kind of putting some of these things together, we thought, hey, you know what? Um, qu- following Jesus should probably mean things like quit, quit comparing, quit hiding, um, quit complaining, quit. And today is quit making excuses. Okay, so I want to start off with, uh, with an exercise of the mandatory kind. So if you could um, grab this, this card in front of you, see back in front of you in the front row, it's probably underneath, or it's totally fine to just pull out a phone. That's cool, too. Anywhere where you can write down a word or two. And because you can do it on your phone, you know that I'm not going to have you hand it in, although that'd be an interesting fundraiser. Um, We're not going to, like, pass it down to the end. You're not going to, like, buddy up with people. We're not going to do any of that. So just, this is between you and God. But, like, write down some things. Write down some things uh, that, like, one thing, maybe, that you believe God is asking you to change in your life. Like, one thing that maybe he's... Maybe he's asking you to start, uh, to start a ministry, to start doing something, to start a conversation. One thing to start. Maybe it's write down one thing that God is asking you to stop, to quit, to cut out of your life. Maybe it's a conversation to have with somebody. One thing that God is asking you to change. If, if you're sitting next to somebody right now and they're not writing anything down, not even like the word private, like congratulations, you're sitting next to Jesus because he's the only one here that doesn't need to change at all. Okay? He rose from the dead last weekend and he's sitting next to you this weekend in church. We got one thing, one thing that God is asking you to change. And then we're gonna talk about some excuses. Uh, maybe, maybe, <clears throat> maybe the thing that, that God is asking you to change is uh, like a financial thing. Maybe he's asking you to like get out of debt. Like that'd be amazing right maybe maybe it's a spiritual thing maybe you see this banner out there in the lobby that says that we bring people far from god to new life in christ and you're going yeah i want to do that and i've been thinking about a friend a neighbor uh somebody at work i've been thinking about a family member who, who needs to experience the new life of jesus and and i think god is asking me to invite them to church you know in easter we kind of like did a whole big thing about that and and like yeah that'd be yeah that'd be so great and I think that God is asking me to do that thing, right? That's a great one. Write that one down. Or, or maybe, uh, maybe you've seen the other banner that says, we experience God daily. And you're like, I could probably stand to experience God a little bit more fully throughout my week, maybe throughout my day. This is a bit off topic, but I'm going to share it anyway. Um, it's, uh, we did this survey in, uh, in November, and uh, it was great, and it was helpful for a lot of different reasons, like planning and everything. But um, one area kind of fell on, and this is, this, I'm, this is my fault. I got to own this one. But one of the questions, this is a bad question, but it was like asking about prayer. Because, hey, I mean, we're probably, like prayer is an important part of the Christian life, and we wanted to help everybody to know, like, hey, you, know, you, should, you should pray. You know, wherever you are, just kind of ask the question. And what the survey turned up is that like, we as a church, like we experience God daily in prayer, like all the time, like multiple times all a day kind of all the time like we're just like living the monk life praying i thought i don't that was probably not like a well-worded question because after a little bit of digging we found out that like we count the kind of prayers that's like uh dear jesus bless this food amen as experiencing god daily and like that's a good rhythm to have like a little blessing over lunch but like if you're like me and you're like bless this food jesus amen and you open your eyes to a mcdouble unwrapped in front of you like Maybe we should spend a little longer praying over that, right? That's a big ask. Uh, like, may, dear Jesus, if you could turn water to wine, you can do something with my Wendy's 4 for 4 right? Like, we can do this. But like, maybe, maybe you're like, you know, hey, I want to pray. I want to experience God. And that's the thing that I'm going to write down. That's what I'm going to target like throughout this series or maybe this week, right? Maybe it is a health thing about that, uh, that McDouble that I mentioned earlier. Maybe uh, whatever it is. But, but the, reason, the point, uh, one more on this one, is that when we write something down, when we have that thing that God is asking us to change, make sure that it's God who's asking you to change it. Otherwise, it's just you and it's just a New Year's resolution that you'll give up mid-January anyway, right? This is God asking you to root something out of your life or to add something to your life, or to have a conversation, or to speak truth, not behind somebody's back, but to the person directly. Like, make sure it's God asking you. Otherwise, good intentions come from you. God intentions come from him. See what I did there? That's pretty awesome. Um, thank you. That's <laughs> a tomato. That's... Um, Okay, okay, so it's God who's asking you to do this thing. Now, when you do it, this is the difference. It could be the same thing, but for a different reason, right? But God never promised to make you happy. He did promise to help make you holy. So, so this might not be an easy thing to do all the time, but I think it is a good thing, and I think it is something that's better for the world and for him at the end of the day. Um, could look like the same thing. Maybe it's that experience God daily peace, and maybe it is something to do with prayer. Only you're going to come at this thing with a good intention would be, Dirk seems to bring this up every weekend, and I'm tired of feeling guilty, so I'm going to start praying, so that way I won't feel guilty anymore. That's a good intention. A God intention is coming at this thing going, you know what? Relationships of any kind take work and effort and take communication. And communication with God kind of looks like reading the Bible, listening to him, and praying to him. And if my relationship with God is like any other relationship I've ever known, I need to communicate. Otherwise, I just have a belief system when I could have an actual relationship. Could look like the same thing, but with different intentions behind it, with different grounding behind it. You've got something. Now, if I'm going to ask that question about why the thing hasn't happened yet, why the change hasn't happened yet, Why it is that you haven't added that exercise to your life or why you haven't subtracted the habit from your life. I'm guessing that the response is probably going to sound like a pretty good reason to you. But if you were to tap a friend on the shoulder and say, this is my good reason, they might say, friend, that really sounds like to me is a bad excuse, but the most important part is that to God, it could look like missing out on more than a lifetime, missing out on an eternity. To to Jesus, this could look like nothing short of missing out on the full, complete, abundant life, the present life that Jesus came to offer us and to talk so much about. Let's listen to some, ex- some of those excuses because I don't think they've changed very much in the last couple thousand years. If you have a Bible with you, turn it on and we're going to go to... <laughs> um, turn it to, uh, to Luke chapter 14. The words are going to be on the screen behind me. Luke chapter 14 and we're going to pick it up in verse 15. Where? The conversation starts like this. When one of those at the table with him, that's with Jesus, heard this, he said to Jesus... Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, if you're like, that's a weird conversation to start with. If you're kind of like looking at this thing going, that seemed like a little out of left blue. Were they just maybe talking talking about a feast in the kingdom of God? No, not at all. You know, they're talking about the weather. You know, it's unseasonably cold out and you've got no idea. And the one guy at the end of the table is like, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And I'm going... That guy's probably not going to get invited to the table next time we we come around and do this. But we're going to have some humility and approach this and say, maybe if something doesn't totally make a a lot of sense to us initially, it did to them. In this case, we can kind of see from the context that Jesus isn't having a dinner party with, I'm going to say, the fun crowd, the tax collectors and the sinners, the people who are just there to have a good time. Jesus is not having dinner with those types. He's having dinner with... I'm going to say the serious people, like the religious people. He's having dinner with the Pharisees. And, and what they're doing is they're sort of sideways, but pretty direct because everybody kind of knew why they invited him there. Um, but they're grilling him. They're grilling him on his belief systems. And, and what they want to know is that if, if he's going to be welcome in their homes, if he's going to be welcome in their villages, they want to know whether or not what he's saying is something that they would personally agree with. And, and so what he's doing right now is this guy's asking this question. He's asking this kind of like loaded question that there's a bunch of ways to come out, and he's wondering what Jesus thinks about this. He's quoting Isaiah 26, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's 6, maybe 25, 6 through 9. He's quoting this passage, this familiar passage to them about when the Messiah comes, right? Like when, when the Messiah comes and, and rescues us all, he's going to have a banquet, a wedding I mean, he's going to have this this awesome meal spread out on a table. And he's going to invite everybody, all his people, um, to this table. And then he's going to have this spread of the best meats, and the best food, and and the aged wine. And on top of that, when the Messiah comes and invites people to this table and to experience this feast. He's going to do more than that because the Messiah himself is going to remove the shroud of shame from the people. The Messiah is actually going to get down and is going to wipe the tears away from their eyes. Like you see the scene that he's describing. More than that, he says the Messiah is going to to swallow up death itself which is this awesome picture and totally unrelated but the word for for death in Hebrew is mot which is also the word for mouth so he's like and the Messiah is gonna swallow up the swallower called death and I love it and it's super random but but you get like this picture of the Messiah and the coming of the kingdom and it's so perfect and it's so glorious What kind of excuse would ever be good enough to miss out on that? You know, we talk about we talk about that feast sometimes in church but we don't, we don't often quote Isaiah 25 we don't, we don't often talk about it like a wedding feast of the Lamb sometimes but more often we call it heaven and sometimes we make, the, we make the mistake of referring to heaven as if it was harps in a cloud somewhere. And we thought, that sounds good. Better than the alternatives. Later. I'll get to that later. But when Jesus came and he was talking about that thing, he was talking about the literal heaven, this literal kingdom that was so good and so perfect. It was as tangible as those salty tears wiping out of the eyes. And it was as tangible as the, as the meats and as the aged wine was in their mouths and bellies. Like, like, like it was this tangible thing, this kingdom that, that was far off, that was there. But for Jesus, it was also a sense of it was here that the kingdom was, was coming, that he taught his people to pray, your kingdom come in a small way, in a small slice. That kingdom, that heaven could be experienced here and, and now. And so before we get into whatever excuses might be good enough to delay that or to deny that, I, I, want us, I want us to hear like this description. And this is shamelessly ripped from Randy Elkhorn's book, Heaven. And it's just, it's so perfect that I want you to, just, I want you to hear this description of heaven And then think about when you follow Jesus in some small way, that far-off experience of heaven begins now. This is heaven. It's perfect fulfillment. It's unhindered joy. There's no death, no suffering, no funeral homes, abortion clinics, psychiatric wards, or drug rehabilitation centers. No bigotry, muggings, or killing. No worry or depression or economic downturns no wars, no unemployment, no anguish over failure and miscommunication, no locks, no death, no mourning, no pain, no boredom, no arthritis, no cancer, no taxes, no bills or computer crashes, no bombs, no drunkenness, no traffic jams, no septic tank backups, no mental illness, no unwanted emails. Close friendships, but no clicks, laughter, but no put downs. Intimacy, but no temptation to immorality. No hidden agendas, no backroom deals, no betrayals. And imagine mealtimes full of stories, laughter. And joy, without fear of insensitivity, inappropriate behavior, anguish, anger, gossip, lust, jealousy, hurt feelings, or anything else that eclipses joy, that will be heaven. And I'll add, that the life, the abundant life, that Jesus came to tell us about, was in some small way heaven starting out. The people quizzing Jesus about that messianic feast, that table, that wedding supper of the Lamb, they couldn't quite take it. Verse 16, Jesus answers their quiz with a story and I just love how Clever Jesus is. You should consider following him. It's a good move. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come. Everything is now ready. It's part one of a two-part invitation. Verse 18. But they, they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field. and and, and I must go and see it. And he goes, please, excuse me. Now, don't get me wrong. Buying a field was a big deal in the first century. I mean, buying a field was such a big deal that you had to make sure the drainage was right, that it wasn't too wet or too dry. Uh, On top of that, the growing season was the winter, uh, so the sun was was low in the sky. And and you had to make sure that it still got enough sunlight so that things could grow. Buying a field was a big deal. If it was a field with fruit trees on it you'd have to check out how how old the the trees are or maybe some of the average crop yields that it uh, provided from the last few years and maybe you wouldn't want to just take the owner's word for it but talk to some of the neighbors see what the reputation is it's a big deal what i'm saying is this is a good reason not to go inside and go sit down at the banquet even if it is that kind of a banquet listen it's a good reason The next one, he continues, Jesus says in the story, verse 19, another said, hey, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please, excuse me. After the field, the oxen was probably the biggest investment somebody would make. That's a pretty good reason for not immediately going in and sitting down at the banquet. Verse 20, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. He doesn't even, like, say the excuse part. He just says, I'm not going to be there, and bolts. Ghosts, I believe you call that. Um, right, so, so to each one of them, that's a big deal. If, if you got married, military service in the first century was mandatory. Uh, so, and this is one reason, getting married was one thing that exempted you out of this mandatory uh, military service. I mean, it's, these are good reasons. But for the master in the story, as Jesus is telling it probably those who are listening in, the good reasons were really just bad excuses. Listen to what the master says next in verse 21. The servant came back and reported to his master. And and then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame, anybody and everybody who's not also gonna bring their excuse Bring them in here and we are going to feast together. Why did you get so angry? As it turns out, what each one of those guys thought was a pretty good excuse, a good reason was really a bad excuse. The first guy who buys a field, come on. You don't just rent you don't you don't go buy a field site unseen. I just told you how big of a deal it was. This process would be drawn out for months, maybe even years. On top of that, what's happening in the story, I said it was a two-part invitation where the, the invite would go out maybe a week ahead of time and since dinner was still running around in the backyard, he'd get a head count of everybody who was going to come and they would sort of do their social thing of figuring out who else is going to be at the party. Yeah, that was a thing 2,000 years ago too. And, and then, and then the, the, the person would get a head count, figure out how much food he needed how many animals to put down. And then when it was time to serve dinner, the invite would go out a second time and say, dinner is served. These guys are saying, I'll accept the invitation on the first hand, but when it comes time to sit down at the table, suddenly I just bought a field. Right, when it comes to sit down at the table, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Good reason. No, bad excuse. Oxen are notoriously fickle animals. They had to be yoked. They had to be matched perfectly. Otherwise, they'd go all cattywampus. You wouldn't get any work done. Like, you don't just throw a bunch of these animals in, in, a, in an auction and be like, I'll take five pairs." No, no, you don't. It's like going to, going to an auction and buying a ton of trucking equipment and then like, oh, hey, I should go see if those trucks run. It's like, no, no, you do your due diligence ahead of time. This is a good reason. No, 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 this is a bad excuse. The last guy, Ken Bailey, who wrote this uh, book, Jesus Through the Middle Eastern Nice," he goes, like the culture that, that's so heavy in this, the guy who says, I just got married, I can't come, like the language that's used and the cultural norms that he's violating it is sort of like one of us today going, uh, hey, I've got a lady in the back, so uh, you know I'm not going to make it. And then he just disappears. And you're like, good, good reason? no, no, no bad excuse and I come back to that fact and I just you know you've got something written down something that God is asking you to change in a small way that God is asking you to bring heaven this much more here today or this week and so I gotta ask like this question i got to ask that, is it possible? Is it possible that what you see as a good excuse is really just a poor substitute for that full, that abundant, that present life that Jesus came to Like we tell ourselves, I'll get to it, but later, or Or we tell ourselves that that I'm still doing a pretty good job already. I 'm probably better than ninety percent of, of the people that I surround myself with, so that's good enough, right? Like we tell ourselves that, that, that I'll get to it, but it's just the, that if, if my boss would only. I will, but but if my employees would only, I will. But when my kids are a little older, I will. But when it's a little more steady enough, and we put, present excuse after excuse after excuse, and we look at it and we go, hey, these are pretty good reasons. Tap somebody on the shoulder and go, and friend, that's a pretty bad excuse. But to God, it's none of those things because God is saying, you're missing it. You're missing out on the greatest possibility, the greatest potential, not the easiest, but the most fulfilling life you could have ever possible imagine, and that doesn't include even heaven on the other side. Don't short yourself. Look at the thing that you have written down and tell it, I quit making excuses. I won't tell you about this guy who just said, I'm done, I am quit making excuses. And I can't tell his story better than he can tell his story, so I'm just going to read for you what he has written down. He said that, uh, that I was day-tripping to Vancouver from Seattle and stopped in for lunch at a little cafe. And from my window, I saw a young teenage girl out in the cold, squatted down in a closed-up business doorway, holding a small bundle in her arms. She was panhandling. People were mostly walking by, ignoring her. And she just looked broken. So I finished up my meal and I went outside. I went through my wallet and I I thought I'd give her $5 for some food. I got up to her and she was sobbing. Looked like she was maybe 14 or 15 years old. That bundle in her arms was a baby all wrapped up. Felt like I just got punched in the chest. She looked up, putting on a game face, and asked for some change. I asked her if she'd like some lunch. And right next door was a small quick trip-type grocery store where I got a can of formula for the baby, very young, two, three months old, and took her back to the cafe, though I'd just eaten. She was so thankful. She got a burger and just inhaled it, and then some pie, and then some ice cream. She opened up we talked 15 years old pregnant her parents became angry and she was fighting with them she ran away, it's probably been a year now so I asked her if she'd like to go home she got silent I coaxed her she said her parents wouldn't want her back so, so I coaxed further she admitted that she stole $5,000 from her dad And it turns out $5,000 doesn't last long when you're a 15-year-old on the streets. Very tough. She didn't want to go back. She did want to go back, but she was afraid no one wanted her back after what she did. We talked more, and I wanted her to use my phone to call home, but she wouldn't. I told her, I'll call and see if your folks wanted to talk more. And she hesitated and gave bad excuses, but eventually agreed. She dialed the number. I took the phone. Her mom picked up, and I said, hello, awkwardly introduced myself. And said, her daughter would like to speak with her. Silence. All I heard was cry. I gave the phone to the girl, and she just sat quiet, listening to her mom cry. And then she said hello, and she cried. They talked. She gave the phone back to me, and I talked to her mom some more. I drove her down to the bus station and bought her a bus ticket home. I gave her $100 for incidentals, some formula, diapers, wipes. snacks for the road I got to the bus and she just cried and said thank you, thank you, thank you over and over and so I gave her a kiss on the forehead and a hug and the same for the baby she got on the bus he writes I I get a Christmas card from her every year she's 21 now and in college her name is Michaela and her son's name is Joe Friends, I think that God is asking you to step out and to do something or to say something or to give something or to quit something. And I think that chances are you probably already know what that thing is. And that thing is now standing in between you and the abundant life, the Jesus-filled life that He came to tell you about. Maybe it's time to realize that that good reason that's preventing you is really just a bad excuse. And it's time to say to Jesus, yes, I'm all in. And I quit making excuses. I want you to stand up. Let's pray to that God today. The God who very much and very tangibly is asking you to pick up that phone and to call him. Come home. Dear Jesus, we sing songs like you gave it all, you chose surrender, so will I. God, we confess to you that that is, that is aspirational language at best. And God, we come to you as a weak half-hearted people with one foot in, and maybe even more than that, out the door. We come and we proclaim you as the king with a kingdom. We proclaim you as the king of our hearts, and we are your kingdom. But God, we are a fickle people, and we need your help. Holy Spirit, come inside of us and wreck us in the most beautiful way to stop making excuses, to stop putting up reasons, Lord, and to start living the Jesus-filled life, not later, not in eternity, not on a cloud with a harp somewhere, but Jesus right here and right now because you are the King and we are your loyal subjects. In Jesus' name, amen.